0: Fantasy, odyssey, written, rewritten by whims and yearning. Through a land of pixel sprites. Comfort, hope, lust, learning. And when should I make finite what promises such starlight? Dinner bells echo, or is it my alarm? Rings across the nexus like a flame swallowed quick by night. Night behind my technicolour dream. Night, night, elusive in false lullaby. So I see in the hearing how pleasant things diminish in the non-place. Still a pleasant place to visit.
1: Hey everyone, welcome back to Solocene. This is the second episode in our internet semester. I like your allusion to pixel fairies. That's an interesting visual, Aaron.
0: Thank you. Yeah, I realized that last week when we started our internet semester, we were altogether quite negative, I think. And maybe for new listeners who we were like, wait, I thought this podcast is about designing a beautiful, sustainable utopia, which it is. They were perhaps a bit confused. But I think in this poem, I tried to bring some of the the fun of the internet or like technology. It's like, it is a, it can be such a cool technology, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It can be such a cool floating colors, technicolors. Can't. Just art, but as I kind of try to emphasize, it's a nice place to visit.
1: Mm-hmm. Maybe not
0: one of the best places to live. Like when people talk about some cities.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the city that you only go for a weekend getaway. Vegas. Mm.
2: Well, not. But
1: <laughs> so this week we are going to talk about some of our favorite things regarding the internet. We're going to talk about how it shapes people to be very culture-driven. How it how this Fascination with generations has captivated people recently. And finally, about hyper individualism, which would be we're still not sure if it's caused by the internet, if it's a circle, a feedback loop between society and the internet, or what have you. We're going to get to that discussion at the later half of this episode.
0: Yeah, and we're going to try and talk about these questions or these topics in sequence. But as you mentioned over the week, It's all kind of wrapped together, the internet, the culture, the individual. So I think the conversation might get a little bit muddled. We'll be tossing out these kind of, I suppose, sociological hypotheses that we have willy nilly, really. Mm. And um, as you also mentioned this week, it can be hard to find data, studies, you know, any kind of professional work or articles being done on this kind of stuff, at least at the, at least that has filtered down to, Like a mainstream reading level, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? But that doesn't mean they are pointless observations, right? I think it can just mean sometimes that the work hasn't yet been commissioned onto these things, or Mm -hmm. the opposite. Maybe some of these ideas are so obvious that people don't feel the need to do a peer reviewed analysis of it or whatever, right?
1: Right. Yeah. So, firstly, why does the internet form people? Defined by culture, if it does. And I think we should start by defining what we mean by culture in this context. Yeah. Because I was thinking about it, and obviously that just is what people are. Like they've always been defined by culture, Mm. but I think it's usually been tradition and then culture second. So tradition, perhaps something a bit more ancestral, a bit more tried and true, and then culture is kind of the fads. So perhaps I'm talking a bit more about popular culture. Yeah, pop
0: culture versus maybe. I don't know, generational culture or like old culture, maybe. Yeah. Because tradition, that's all still culture. Yeah. It's like we have a tradition of doing this dance every Sunday, or like that's all part of one's culture. I also thought that defining was a good place to start. And I thought maybe since the term has become so all encompassing, or as you allude to, maybe always was, we could try and define what isn't culture. Okay. Might be a little bit more, more practical for this question.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, what in your life can you say? is not culture is not part of culture
1: it's a hard question my first thing was food but food is super cultural um but this is food is an example of something that i'm not really talking about i'm talking about internet culture okay like food is like real life culture
0: well yeah yeah i think the internet culture versus other culture that like internet culture is its own subculture yes you're talking about like memes twitch slang
2: celebrity celebrity that kind of thing like
0: but I do think that culture itself, the internet has also, like, I'm including that in the, in the prompt, I suppose. Okay. My only answers for what isn't culture is being genuine, genuinely alone. Okay. Like, this means no podcasts, no television, no looking at paintings or whatever, like, genuinely alone in a way that we're usually not. Mm-hmm. I find often when it's like, I'm going to go for a walk by myself, you throw on the podcast or the music or the audiobook, or I do anyway. Um, because we're social like that, because we like company, even if it isn't physical company. Mm-hmm. And the other idea I had was perhaps being genuinely together, which sounds a little bit paradoxical, or like being genuinely intimate, let's say.
1: Mm. No, that's a really great point, because that's a big part of what I want to talk about today is how being together has become, we're going to talk about yes, exactly culture, basically like pop culture. Mm. We're going to talk about music and movies. But being genuinely together, perhaps having like an intimate conversation with someone about their experience or their feelings. Yeah, that is usually not especially shaped by culture. There's obviously some norms and some taboos that perhaps are like playing into the dynamic of the people, but yeah.
0: But usually not not especially shaped by pop culture as you made the distinction earlier anyway. Yeah. maybe old culture in some ways. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, that's why I use that word intimate, because it's like it seems like the general progression in terms of like familiarizing yourself with people, AKA socializing is you start off talking about maybe one's weekend, then maybe the walking dead or game of Thrones or whatever. So you, you kind of go through this cultural process. Maybe you get more and more and, Oh, you read that, you know, I really like reading that. I like that music too. So you you bond over these types of things. But then when I say the intimacy is when you get a little bit beyond that and you go soul to soul. Not just two people, but many people it can be like around a campfire or something yeah often there's a there's a there's an intimacy here that's akin to what I was saying about going for a walk by oneself like genuinely
2: by oneself,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, I think Hopefully that's that, true that comes across, yeah, it makes sense. I think with the internet, it has propelled cultural references to be a kind of shorthand for explaining yourself, mm. so there used to be a shared canon that, like, everyone would have watched. Like, there's only one radio channel, only a few TV channels. So it's, like, everyone was watching that, so saying that you were watching it didn't say that much about you. Yeah. But now because we have every film ever ever made, every book ever written at our fingertips, it's, like, saying that you like a book is more of a statement, and it's so niche that it says a lot about you. Mm. Even, I was thinking, like, how would I describe myself if I had to, like, pick one book or movie or whatever to like introduce myself as a fan of and i'm gonna say it and you can maybe tell me the connotations that you have with that yeah you know me obviously so this is hard but i said i like lord of the rings what do you think that like says about me
0: well i mean it used to mean someone quite nerdy right Mm -hmm. you used to picture usually a man or like a young man Mm -hmm. a teen boy i would say but now i would say if you like what I think that's that's about as popular as it gets. I don't know. I feel like it's hard to determine someone from that.
1: But I, I really like Lord of the Rings. Like, oh, you really like Lord of the Rings? This is the book I'm choosing to define myself by, or this uh, okay. culture.
0: Then I still think you're like a, a nerd.
1: Okay. So, I <laughs> said <laughs> nerd is one of the things. Yeah. But I think you also kind of picture this kind of collegiate, like Tolkien writing at Cambridge. Right. Yeah,
0: you're probably quite academic or quite intellectual, I would say.
1: Yeah, but then also I was thinking because people know the success of the films Mm. it's saying i like books and movies Mm, kind of when you say i like lord of the rings and it also says i like nature a lot because they're very naturey films kind of cottagecore energy like i like hobbits i want to be a hobbit so like i think it says it's kind of a shorthand for all those things to different people i
0: think so too so we have we use them to help define ourselves yeah as identity basically
1: mm-hmm. instead of trying to explain everything about yourself yeah. you can just be like oh i like this it's
0: a shorthand so um yeah it's a shorthand to oneself like it helps you understand yourself but also it's almost a social plea if yeah. you like all the rings come and hang out
1: yeah but it's also not like vulnerable because yeah it's up to the person's interpretations maybe they're just like oh you just like those books so it's like you don't have to, like, bear your soul to explain yourself. You'd be like, oh, I like this book, this movie, this musician. And it's kind of like if the person doesn't know them, it's, like, all the better because it doesn't mean anything to them. And it leaves the slate very empty. And I feel like our relationships, as we are increasingly defined by culture in these ways, they're quite shallow and, like, widespread. Like, we have a large network of people. Because we don't get deep with anyone, so there's no chance to, like, burn any bridges. (laughs) Which kind of, I think burning bridges perhaps is a, a good thing to an extent of, like, you meet someone, you're just not compatible, so you just aren't going to keep them in your network. But as it is right now, we never want to be incompatible with anyone. Almost like, you know when people have, like, thousands and thousands of Facebook friends? Yes. It's like, I'm sure in real life, they wouldn't get along with all these people. But because they're presenting this kind of one-dimensional version of themselves, it's easy to have all these connections in this network.
0: So many likes, but how many do we really like? Yeah. (laughs) I like that game, though. It's kind of a fun, like, judging a book by its cover game, which is exactly the opposite of what we're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. So what if I said Shakespeare? I love Shakespeare. I'm defined by my love, passion, and reading consistent reading of shakespeare and reverence
1: yeah i would say you're a lover not a hater <laughs> okay. something like that and you're you like poetry mm.
0: i feel like there might be a certain type of snobbishness that goes with it mm-hmm. an elitism maybe a political conservatism is maybe yeah i'm not saying that those people actually i'm saying that's the perception mm. you know what i mean yeah because i am I, I am all those things about
1: shakespeare yeah big fan Big <laughs> Shakespeare guy. But, yeah, it's an interesting activity.
0: What if I said the Beatles?
1: The Beatles? You're like a hipster. If I'm kind 23 of a hippie. and I
0: just love the Beatles that much.
1: Yeah. You're a hippie. Maybe you've been to Liverpool. You like Liverpool a bit? I have been
0: there. Yeah. <laughs> I've been to Stratford-upon-Avon, though. So True. But I, I do I mean, like I don't went. really like, um, like the Beatles. Okay. Continuing on with the culture talk, <laughs> I was reading this article on the new yorker as one does what if Mm -hmm. i said the new yorker that has its own connotations as well that was called how the internet turned us into content machines Mm. like content culture culture is largely consisting of content these days and it said cultural products and consumer habits alike increasingly conform to the structures of digital spaces and i was like what does this mean in terms of us becoming defined more and more by culture well one there is the seemingly ever increasing and almost infinite commoditization of the internet so that every page is just more and more funneled by ads Mm -hmm. and funneling you to click a link at the end to buy the product, either for the person's own own store or through an affiliate link or whatever and two i was thinking about just our experience of scrolling and content and this article also had the quotes that content is digital material that's may circulate solely for the purpose of circulating. And uh, I was like, yeah, that's, that's exactly what distinguishes, let's say, content from genuine art or even genuine journalism or genuine news. Because mm-hmm. if it is a thing or genuine video work or genuine photography, if it is a serious example of one of those skills or hobbies, um, then it would, be, it would be dignified enough to retain that name. To retain the name of a photo or a video or an article or a poem, mm-hmm. but because it isn't really attempting to be good, it just exists solely to be circulated, then it it kind of sinks down to that title of content. Yeah. And I think this emptiness or this superficialness or this vapidity of experience, I feel like that is or has leaked into just our experience of life or yeah. our personalities.
1: Certainly. That relates nicely to the meme of the week. Okay. So I guess I'll just jump into that. So the meme of the week that I chose was Dressgate, which was in 2015. There was a picture of a dress circulating. Mm. It was taken in really bad lighting, so it appeared to be white and gold or black and blue, depending on how you perceive it. Yeah. And 2015 apparently was the year that all the memes that we remember existed so i think that's kind of funny but this meme it was within a week there were already one million tweets about this dress which camp were you in i don't remember oh yeah
0: (laughs) but everyone had this ingrained on their memory i was black and blue
1: like a bruise okay
0: hashtag team bruise
1: okay (laughs) um and celebrities were yes weighing on it washington post new yorker new york times like Mm -hmm. every reputable News outlet I was writing about, about it. That. Yeah. There were people publishing papers about it, scientists. So it was a really great example of something circulating that is the definition of vapid and just, like, right. inconsequential.
0: And it's really funny because some of those papers, I mean, some of it, I'm sure, was about the soci- sociological uh, significance of this meme being circulated so widely and so quickly. Yeah. But there was at least some explanations about by, like, optologists who were like, actually, the visual effect is, you know, and explaining why certain brains and certain lighting or whatever. Yeah. But, so it, it is essentially a learning opportunity. Mm-hmm. But now no one would actually be able to tell you what, like, why it appeared like that. they just like, oh, it's something to do with light or eyes. And
1: yeah, like <laughs> exactly. Like, no one actually learned. And there was a few things that I wanted to touch on this meme. One is that for a lot of people, it caused a legit existential crisis between, like, perception and, and reality mm. because until this point a lot of people just i remember i don't know if it was this but there was some kind of optical illusion that i remember seeing in my life where it, lit, it did mess me up for like a few days where i just kept thinking what if how i perceive blue is different than other people but because i've been taught this is blue i can only describe it in terms the exact same terms as everyone else yeah and i think it's like interesting that something so frivolous can cause existential
0: right well the internet can, it can expose these things right yeah like I remember maybe this is this is spoiling what could be another meme of the week but last year or this year a little bit there was a, there was a little bit of a debate going on about how people visualize yeah did you see and it was like how do you visualize an apple is it like a cartoon is it like blank and some people saying I can't visualize at all you know mm-hmm. and so there's this it exposes these things that through ordinary conversation would never come up really
2: yeah.
1: But
0: in the internet, it's like, wait, you don't... And we're always looking for these fundamental differences by which we can separate ourselves.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of them are frivolous. Like, do you pour your cereal first or your milk exactly, first? Stuff right. like that. And I think... I was wondering, kind of a question, I don't think it's a question for next week, but, like, is someone's tendency to give in to something so frivolous as circulating this meme of a dress, does it say anything about their personality or their, like, competence? Or is it just... This is funny. This is like slightly interesting. So they're going to circulate it.
0: You mean like are there more wheels or doors in the world? You mean like that kind of thing? You you saw that, that debate that was raging? Yeah. Like that kind of question?
1: Yeah. Like I just wonder. Your willingness
0: to engage in those types of conversations.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know. I think there's some people. Like I wouldn't say it has any. You could read someone's like politics or. Yeah. Or IQ on it or something like that. I don't yeah. Know, I don't think it's like a judgmental thing like that. I just think it's that some people actually just find it entertaining.
2: And yeah. sometimes
0: it is entertaining. Sometimes yeah, sometimes it so. isn't, but sometimes um like I remember on my uh my Facebook page which is just teeming with activity these days. I reposted this image of like do you remember this?
1: The gremlin with like yeah, money. The
0: gremlin <laughs> I don't with, the gremlin with money.
1: Yeah.
0: Um for those who don't know, it's a gremlin or a gnome or something like that.
1: Oh, the gnome of good luck. The gnome or of something. good luck is what yeah. I'm saying, and
0: it's like if you see this, you have to repost it and you get good luck. And it's, just, <laughs> it's just like this this ET looking person, like with a bunch of cash, um, and you do these things. Like, largely ironically, it's like this is kind of funny. Yeah. But also, you do them, mm-hmm. so I feel like in a lot of these cases, it is there isn't a detachment or an irony to it?
1: Mm-hmm. I think it used to be a bit more. Because like when this happened or like the selfie with Ellen, like things used to happen and it was like, oh, this is cool. This is unique. But then now I feel like these things are happening 10 times a day Mm. and people are still circulating them.
0: That's really funny. The selfie with Ellen feels like it was the Oscar selfie that was like, we're going to make this the most liked uh, image on Instagram. Yeah. It feels like it was a century ago in terms of public perception because it wasn't like this is disgusting.
2: Mm-hmm. That wasn't
0: like the public. But now it's like when you look at, let's say, during the lockdown when they were, all the celebrities were singing that song on the video, everyone was yeah. like, oh, I hate these, you know. Yeah, like
1: I just think it's changed so quickly. Yeah. Even I remember the first YouTube video to hit a billion or whatever, it was like Gangnam style. But now it's like videos hit a billion all the time. Mm-hmm. Like things have just accelerated so quickly that it's really hard to, I think it's wearing away at us. <laughs>
0: Okay, so just to bring it back to the question a little bit, that was a nice meme of the week. Yeah, thanks. Um, just to, I feel like the memes of the week, they slip into conversation a lot better than did the Pointless.
2: organisms. Uh,
0: anyway, so with the exception of in the nature semester,
2: organisms mm-hmm. fit in
0: there. But anyway, so for the question of people defined by culture, I basically had two answers, or two, two different reasons. And one is that culture has expanded. And that's why I thought well, we both thought starting with the definition of it was useful, because we, it makes you think that so little escapes the reaches of culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I mean by expanded is like, if you enjoy baking now, if and you are young, raised on the internet, very often you are involved in a baking subculture. Mm-hmm. You know a baker online. Maybe you watch some baking vlogs. Maybe you're on the baking side of TikTok, and your FYP, your For You page, is full of baking videos, recipe hacks. Mm -hmm. That kind of thing. You're following Bon Appetit or, you know, these different types of um, things, tertiary influences and organizations that spring up around the wider topic of baking. Yeah. Whereas if you were 100 years ago in 1923 interested in baking, however young you are, you baked.
2: Period. That that, that was it.
0: Like you you baked, and maybe you, you shared your baking with people in your town and maybe you shared some recipes. But it wasn't like part of your identity, it wasn't part mm. of your personality, so in this way, I think we're we're in we're in culture more and like another example, I think is video games, which themselves are more a cultural artifact than is baking, right because it's like mm-hmm. a recipe or a cake, let's say that's just that's food, but a video game was a product made for you by a media company
2: mm-hmm.
0: and maybe you ha or quite often you heard about it through a magazine, or the internet, and these days, maybe you even bought it over the internet. There's a lot of people today who probably watch more people playing video games than they play video games. Mm. And I kind of consider myself lucky I'm not quite part of that generation, but I can 100% see the appeal. And the appeal is I can play this by myself with no friends around, usually because we're isolated like that, or I can join this chat, however virtual it may be, and Mm. we are all bonding over the same thing. We all share an interest. Yeah. So in that way, you're more immersed in culture than if you were just by yourself on the couch playing. Yeah. Even if it's an online game.
1: Hmm. I think next week maybe we could talk about Discord and those types of digital platforms for like yeah. connecting people communities. Because I just joined Discord yesterday. Oh, really? The first time.
2: Good for you or bad? Well, for you. I
1: don't. I had to for an organization <laughs> that yeah. I'm a part of, and I was like, "What is this? Like, it's so foreign to me because I've never." Mm. Gamed or done anything like that. But I think it'd be interesting to talk about. I'll have one week of experience under my belt.
0: Um, and the, the second reason I had for people to find more by culture is a little bit of an ephemeral thing to talk about, but it's that the idea that the internet makes necessary the, the internet, or as this mm. article I read said, content begets content. And I think like an entry level example of this is let's say somebody's out of touch parent, their dad or something. And they're trying to bond with somebody young. Maybe their own child. I feel like in the 80s, everybody knew Michael Jackson.
1: Yeah, like the parents would know what the kids are into.
0: Vaguely, right? Because yeah. it's on the radio. Yeah. They didn't understand it. They maybe didn't like it. They didn't listen to it. But you knew the names. and um, Or like they knew Ronald Reagan at, mm-hmm. at the water cooler. And everyone's got an opinion on Reagan because he's mm-hmm. the president. And, you know, he just did that thing and it was in the news. Yeah. Um, but now I feel that the radio won't tell you what's popular. Yeah. Because it just doesn't. Mm-hmm. And, um, and even in politics, you kind of have to be following day by day or hour by hour on Twitter because that's how fast things move. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like if you're – it's a little bit like when people talk about, let's say, the Apple ecosystem technology. This is a mm-hmm. bit of a strange analogy, but just bear with it. If you buy an iPhone – And then you're looking for headphones and you're like, oh, I want some Bluetooth headphones that connect easily. Well, the obvious answer because they're made to be compatible is the, the AirPods. Mm -hmm. And then you keep going, I want a computer. I'm going to get something that syncs. And before you know it, everything is all Mm -hmm. Apple branded because it all just works together. Just Mm -hmm. works. Um, It's a little bit like that. I think with, with culture information and your engagement in these spaces, it's like, well, I'm going to, maybe I'll get a little bit into politics and you, Start talking to people about politics, and they've been following. You know what I mean daily, yeah, yeah. and they follow these pages, and they're so up to date. So you kind of have to to keep up about yeah. keeping up.
1: I Certainly, yeah. I was thinking a bit how the internet is kind of like the obvious place for this type of news. Like there was always news about people in Hollywood or news about celeb- not celebrities, about politicians. But because those relationships are Innately, um, asocial or like what's that word? Parasocial. Like you don't know these people. You have to have a mediator. The internet's kind of an obvious place for this because it's
0: there's distance.
1: There's distance between you, so it's like reading a reporter in your local newspaper is no better than just reading it online. Because mm. online, you're actually getting it from the source. Maybe it's yeah. Justin Bieber's Instagram or right. whatever. And I just think it's kind of like the obvious place to explore this type of news and culture and it's kind of why the internet is such a festering ground for this type of thing
0: well i think it's it's better as you say it's better suited for a lot of these things like for news Mm -hmm. rather than wait every day to get it you know selected and printed for you Mm -hmm. how about you just follow the live stream you see it directly and you see it in real time so I, i i'm not saying it's it's worse in that regard but it's worse in other regards like
1: how it affects us how it affects
0: us how often we engage with it like here's a quote um, that I think leads into the next question about generational divide and the quote is the internet is becoming the town square for the global village of tomorrow and I feel like we've had this town square analogy like a hundred times mm-hmm. which is why I don't have a citation for the quote because anyone could have said it and everyone said it and I think it's a little bit old or outdated because it's not tomorrow it's of today right like people say Mm -hmm. twitter is the town square of today and this is where i connected to the generational divide that everyone's so obsessed with i feel like people use this just as a way of kind of waving away the idea that the internet is wildly different it's like well you know it's the town square of today it's the morning newspaper of today but it's like people weren't in the town square all day every oh like for nine hours looking at the bulletin boards yeah that you just kind of okay i'm gonna go into the town square in the morning, see what's happening. Yeah, then I'll go about my day.
1: And you're not going to be socially alienated if you're
0: if you're not in the town if square. You're not there all day. Yeah. this is why I say it's it's a nice place to visit,
1: mm-hmm. but no
0: one wants to live in the town square.
1: Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I always see ads for these websites or these apps that like compile five different newspapers and they give you like a summary of them each day. Yeah, it's like oh, you only need to read it in five minutes. But it's like that's just so much information and so mm-hmm. many different things your brain has to process. And it's already inundated with enough information from just the natural world and the, like, existing in this plane, let alone adding in so many yeah. different things there. Another New Yorker quote. Apparently, the New Yorker writes a lot about these things, so maybe.
0: I always like their articles.
1: Yeah, I always like their articles. There was a time where I got the, the magazines. I was going to say, I
0: thought you were subscribed for yeah. a period.
1: Yeah, and they were fine. They're not my favorite news outlet, but they do.
0: What's your favorite news outlet?
1: I like The Economist.
0: Oh right,
1: I forgot. Crypto <laughs> leash. It's not <laughs> uh,
0: I just I just go by the name. That's what I always
1: what thought I mean. about it. Enough about my news consumption, but the quote from The New Yorker is that the concept of the generation divide gets social history all wrong. So until the 1940s, a generation was just a family unit. Like it was a 30-year period from parents to their kids to their kids, and about three would be existing at the same time within a century, but it was never like an anthropological thing. Like it has no actual scientific backing. It's just kind of a way to conceptualize the family. And then in 1800, it was used for the art movements kind of as a way to describe the different periods, but the generations until the forties, it was like, you'd be a kid, then you'd be an adult when it came to marketing. But because people started going to high school in the forties, there was now this new teen market where people would have part time jobs so they'd have spending power. So marketing agencies started marketing towards teens. And then this is kind of where it evolved from. So then it would be like, okay, we have kind of four generations is the young kids, is the teens, the young yeah. adults, mm-hmm. and then the adults.
0: So sort of the narrowing the the range from let's say twenty five to thirty years to about fifteen. Even though people are having kids older these days.
1: Yeah, exactly. And now it's turned into, it turns over so frequently, it's hard to even keep track of yeah. because marketing agencies are like, well, we can just basically tell people you're in this category, so you should buy this product mm. and like market even more specific products and imagine even more specific products for different ages. And I feel like because people are kind of buy into these things because we kind of lack an identity outside of the internet and outside of what we're told culturally. Yeah. It gives people like an excuse for their behavior. So like the millennials, you were saying avocado toast is a great example (laughs) of like what the millennials went to. Everyone's like, this is silly, it's expensive, it doesn't really make that much sense. Yeah. But like, I'm just a millennial, like deal with it. Right. And I always see memes about young people in the workplace who are just like... I want to be involved with everything. Like I need to know you're like calling for transparency and so on, which I don't think is a bad thing, but it's like,
0: neither is avocado toast. It's yeah. A bad thing. It's but just it's always
1: chalked up thing. to, well, it's your generation. Right. But it's like, it, there's more to that, more to it than just like, oh, it's just your generation. It's like, well, what were their experiences that caused this? Yeah. And people within generation are so different.
0: So again, it's a part of identity. Yeah. I'm a Gen Z or I'm a boomer, much like, I'm an Aries.
1: Exactly the or same. Yeah. I'm
0: a, a blue dress type of person.
1: Yeah. It's just like when you were born impacts who you are. Not really. Like. Yeah. I also think
0: I also think it's maybe a function of like culture becoming so wide and so popular and so news that people say like another uh, some way that people try and define it is like you're an X if you remember X when you yeah. were like if you remember nine eleven then you're this. Hmm. Um. But it's like for for many hundreds of years. I mean, like, I don't live in New York. Yeah. Why would I remember? Nine- you know what I'm talking about?
1: Yeah, that's like, those are some of the big things when they talk about these generations are all these very America-centric Yeah. events. It's like, oh, if you remember the Vietnam War, then you're a <laughs> Gen Y. And if you were alive during the Great Depression, you're a boomer and so on. And it's just like, well, you could be a boomer and you could have been like one during yeah. the Great Depression we or whatever. Sh-
0: I mean, we are shaped by our experiences like no doubt people who were five when the covid lockdowns happened or the great depression happened like that that makes a big difference but it's not in any type of neat 10 15 20 25 30 year old like regulizable regulatable um time chunks like it's it's just entirely one one moment to the next Mm -hmm. so that's why i don't really generally prescribe to that so don't love it so strongly yeah but also i was thinking about generations as in what are the other types of um areas of society that we try and categorize like this and the one that came to mind for me was art mm-hmm. especially if you think about like visual arts you have let's say paintings romanticism into realism into impressionism into modernism into postmodernism etc um and if we think of ourselves like in that same type of context we think of ourselves as the paintings and we think of the artist as the culture or the technology or the economy that shaped us. So it's kind of another, another neat way of thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Think. Yeah. My first thought for this question about why generation talk has become so kind of mainstream and so commonplace over the last few years is because people have noticed that generation Z's or young people raised by the internet are the first like legitimately different. And it's kind of our way, as we talked about last week, that it's almost like a different species or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, fundamentally different. Not saying it in an entirely derogatory way. Um, it's almost our way of rationalizing this or retroactively throwing that conversation across the whole, let's say, last century by saying, well, you know, they're different, but, you know, you got millennials, you have Ys and Xs and boomers. um, And so it's all, you know, they're no no more different from the rest than this was different from this. Yeah. Which I don't...
1: I don't believe. I think they're quite different.
2: Yeah, I think they're different. And
1: they're admittedly different because they often have older siblings who were born before the internet and their parents, obviously. So, like, they know that they're different. And often, I feel like, feel a bit not happy about how it has shaped them to an extent. Whenever I talk to, like, my siblings who are, like, a bit younger than me, they're, like, I kind of wish that I didn't, like, I'm not 100%, like, my aesthetic is shaped by the internet, like, what I wear. just kind of wish it was, like, a little simpler sort of thing. Right. And I think that's a common feeling amongst young people. And like, we are right at the brink, the cusp you of and internet I, yeah. experience. The 99s.
0: So. Party likes 1999s. Yeah. Do you think the generation <laughs> talk is a bad thing? Or do you think it's just harmless?
1: Uh, I don't think it's great. Yeah,
2: I don't I think it's don't, great.
1: I don't like anything that, as I kind of alluded to, gives people like an out for their behavior. Be like, oh, I'm just this. Like, I don't love when people are like, I'm just an Aries, so like, I'm going to be. I'm gonna be bubbly and like not super smart or is whatever. That what, is that what I am? I, I have no idea what okay. they are. I think we're bossy. Maybe, but it's like I just don't like when people use kind of silly things to to genuinely describe themselves. So it's like fine if you want to be like, "Oh, I'm INFJ," for like kind of a fun like party conversation.
0: Oh, the mayas Briggs.
1: Yeah, like if you want to just use these, it's kind of like a fun. I'm just a millennial, like lightheartedly, but it's gone deeper than that like people, people
0: are internalizing it, it. Yeah, yeah i mean so there was like the wider discussion about is boomer a slur yeah because because it was getting that serious
1: mm-hmm.
0: um or at least at least to some people's eyes yeah
1: like um, is karen a slur
0: well yeah <laughs> karen karen will be next week's meme of the week maybe yeah um but i think it's i, I don't think it's that bad i think it's mostly harmless it's a little bit redundant and it probably divides people more than they need to be divided yeah but i think there's it's it shows this degree of like sociological awareness it's it's quite interesting actually that like everybody understands these terms intuitively mm-hmm. so i think i don't know there's there's something there's something neat to i think generally we're just kind of caught in this the acceleration period the hockey stick if you at any graph about population technology culture you know lifespan is another thing we didn't talk about because people live a lot longer than they used to Mm-hmm. so there is an extra let's say 20 years added on yeah. so it does make you think about these a little bit more um yeah we're just kind of caught in this hockey stick and we're using whatever terminology we can to try and make sense of it in a way
2: yeah for so sure
0: i think that's that and there's also like i said the identity matter where you see young people today often they they find it outdated at best and somehow sometimes offensive at worse when the go-to Question of upon meeting somebody to try and get to know them is, what do you do? Because mm-hmm. people don't want to be defined by their economic role anymore or their professional capacity. But it's like, well, if you're not defined by what you do, what are you defined by? So I think mm-hmm. that's kind of a vacuum that people are trying to fill with whatever we can.
1: Yeah, I think so. The final question, which sparked much debate in this household this morning about <laughs> is the internet causing people to be more individualistic? And props will take different sides in this but hyper individualization means a tendency for people to act in a highly individual way without regard for society and this is different than normal individualism because there's always like in the world america and canada are individualistic societies and then like japan is a more communal society like that's just how societies are defined either individualistic or communal and there's other um, contributing factors so, like we live in an individualistic society as it is without the internet and that just means people kind of strive for the betterment of themselves to then go into the community and like be a positive change instead of just kind of being like a bit more open like the the motivation is i want to be the best version of myself yeah which isn't harmful
0: so in other words we we are more prone to like the idea of charity rather than taxes yeah i think is Yeah, exactly.
1: And so that's like a healthy form of individualism. It's like you're just going to work on yourself first so you can spread goodness. But the unhealthy version, the hyper version of individualization, is like cheating. 75% of university students apparently admit to having cheated at one point or another. And it's like this in itself, it's like, well, if everyone's doing it, why shouldn't I do it? Mm. But it's like it erodes trust in systems people are more likely to break rules of the road. It's like, well, there's no one around. Why not run this red light sort of thing? But it's like if we slowly chip away at these these laws, it kind of breaks down the whole system. And it's I think the internet facilitates this in that it kind of makes these online like there's a Reddit post about, well, why not? And it's like if you think about it, there's literally no reason not, is how like I feel like the Sentiment is online And the reason I think this is because For your actions online The worst consequence is a digital consequence For the most part It's like you post something racist Or you post something antisocial online Like griping about Your neighbor The worst thing that can happen is you're blocked And it's like there really aren't that many In-person repercussions The way that if you were ranting about Your neighbor in like a community dinner You just would be like shunned from real life society, which is much more um, impactful. And so that's why I kind of think the internet breeds this unhealthy, increasingly unhealthy hyper individualism because the impacts for your actions are just not real online. And then when you kind of go and do these things in real life, it's like they're innocuous things that you're doing. Yeah. But online, it probably should have been shut down before you start doing these seemingly innocuous things like cheating, because if everyone starts doing them, it's not universalizable sort of thing. If that makes any sense.
0: No, I, I do think, like, cheating, let's say, on university exams and school exams, that is a lot more, more prominent. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that one is kind of fueled by the internet because so many tests, say are take-home, like yeah. allow internet access or assignments. The internet just allows you to, to cheat, like, straight up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think, like, that example is correct, and let's say stealing, mm-hmm. like that's kind of in vogue. It's like, I'm going to steal groceries from the self checkout. Yeah. S- slip something through like that's in vogue. And that one has been perpetuated by the internet's, you know, people talking about this, it becoming, let's say a trend. You see some TikTok trends that are like, well, that's just illegal. Like that's just a mm-hmm. like, you're not just, you're just not allowed to do that. Um, But I'm not sure they are like, you can chalk it down to the internet entirely. I just think a lot of that, like the grocery one, that's, economics i think and that's like people think of it in this example as a victimless crime because they're like well why would walmart care if i steal you know they're just a faceless corporation um so i I, but i agree with you i do think the internet has increased individualism in some ways like i think people are more vain Mm -hmm. like more superficial and more self-absorbed than before I think that people kind of, like, we talk about, like, main character syndrome, right? Yeah. Like, people thinking that they are the center of the universe, basically. I think the the internet exacerbates this. And even though we may interact with people more, in, through a digital way anyway, we perhaps think less of them or care mm-hmm. less of them. Like, for instance, the meme of the week last week was about having one's last two brain cells. Mm-hmm. And often th- that had a kind of... um a self degradation to it. You know, it's like mm-hmm. my last two brain cells. Haha, I'm so dumb. But also it basically means you can apply it to everyone and you mm-hmm. think everyone only has two brain cells. Yeah. Rather than like lifting everybody up, you're just putting everyone down on a, on a level. Um, so I do think it, it increases individualism in certain ways. And as we've, as we know with culture and we'll talk about it a lot over the semester, it fragments people and it isolates them. So I think that can often be conflated or maybe he just is individualism, I'm not sure. But then I was thinking this week about a movie that we watched uh semi-recently called Sing Street, which if you do you remember it?
1: Yeah, I loved that. Movie. It's about
0: a um a teen boy going to middle school in Ireland sometime in the eighties, I think. And basically he is in a school where he's an absolute like odd man out. Mm-hmm. He likes music that nobody else listens to. He kind of dresses differently. He just stands out in pretty much every way. And I think I was thinking about that a little bit this week because of the way that in that film, or just a lot of examples that people can think of, like in, in real life as well, people can think of these examples, especially from pre-internet times. It's a, it's a prime opportunity in one's adolescence or even in adulthood to practice a healthy individualism, as I think he does, this character does in this film, because I was thinking about if such a story was set today and you basically despise everyone who you go to school with and rather than trying to kind of fashion a niche for yourself in that social structure or even change some of the people around you, it's so easy today to lean on an existing comforting structure that you can find on the internet. Like Mm -hmm. if that was set today, I think he wouldn't feel that desperation that I need to start a band Mm -hmm. because it's like well i'll just post music on soundcloud i'll just do it myself yeah um and it doesn't matter that socially you know it's a Mm -hmm. bit of a dead end but what happens in that movie is kind of interesting because he ends up through optimism and relentlessness and kind of a a resilience and just a strength of will basically affecting the people around him so he becomes a social actor Mm -hmm. like in his immediate social circle not like a digital distant one like an immediate social actor in his school. Um, and I feel like that process of becoming a social actor in a healthy way is largely healthy individualism. Yeah. It's a, it's a little bit of a paradox because it's like, well, how can individualism be defined by who you are socially? But I just feel like at least in some ways it is. You know yeah, what I mean?
1: I think so. That and, makes sense. and
0: so to, to kind of bring it back, there's maybe a perversion of that process where people immediately become more isolated And so that healthy individualism never gets a chance to manifest. And so it kind of goes into some bad ways, maybe. Yeah. Stealing, um, I don't know, violence, hate, whatever. Mm
1: -hmm. I think because the internet is everybody. Like, it's pretty much everyone who, like, is alive. You have access to their lives to some extent. And as it is, like, he really stood out in his community because he liked music. Yeah. But online, if he was trying to stand out on SoundCloud... You'd have to get so niche, right? So it's like I'm a SoundCloud artist who's inspired by Aphrodite, and I like only wear blue when I'm doing my music. Yes, like yes. people have to get so
0: niche. But what I'm saying is, the goal for him wasn't to stand out. Like yeah. that wasn't the original goal. That just happened because of who mm-hmm. he was. The yeah. goal was basically to find a community. Yeah. And so today it would be too easy to do that digitally. Mm-hmm. He would never have gone through the trial and eventual triumph of doing so yeah. in, the re- in the real world
1: that makes sense um yeah i just think the getting super niche is another way that's unhealthy individualism on the internet yeah. to try and stand out or to try and make it you have to be like so countercultural, but like culture is everything these days so like it's i think it's leading to a lot of like weird manifestations of people's interests that like wouldn't have manifested normally to try and stand out like people are just really extreme
0: yeah there's a lot of affectation in there for sure
1: yeah and i don't think that's great so that was pretty much all i had on individualism can we
0: come up with a, a solo designing question for next week
1: yeah uh, maybe while we're talking about discord i was going to say design some kind of online community
0: uh, but i just feel like that's a it's an oxymoron silly. in some yeah.
1: ways yeah um We could maybe look at existing technologies that are good for, like, existing online technologies that do, in fact, facilitate in-person interactions. Okay. Highlight them. Tinder. (laughs) Okay.
0: (laughs) Okay, bye, everyone. Thanks for listening.